The gospel really is good news, and I'm thankful for the team that leads us in worship through music and, and helps us to lift our eyes to Jesus. One of the lines that we just sang that always jumps out at me is, Jesus sought me when a stranger. While we were apart from God, while we were living in rebellion against him, while we were, while we were his enemies, the Bible says, Jesus pursues us. So the gospel is good news, right church? All right. Hey, my name's Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. Grab your Bibles. We're going to get going. Um, Grab your Bibles. Open to Mark chapter 9. This morning, we're going to start at verse 2. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Love you to bring your Bibles. Um, If you don't have one and we could get you one, just let us know. We'd like to get you one. Uh, if you don't have one today, no worries. You'll be able to follow along. Some of the things will be on the screen. But I uh, encourage you, bring your Bible, mark it up, uh, follow along with us as we study God's word, word each Sunday. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 2. Let me pray for us as we get going. Father God, thank you that you are with us always. And this morning we need you to be our teacher. Uh, God, would you uh, help us to look into your word And by your Holy Spirit, would you teach us what you want us to to learn this morning? Uh, God, we pray that uh, opening our Bibles would not just be a mere exercise, but an opportunity to listen for your voice in our lives. We thank you for this opportunity to be together, to worship you, to study your word, and to care for one another. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. These are three of the disciples, three of his followers, three of his closest friends. Peter, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. We'll pause there for a moment. I think it's uh, very interesting that in Mark's account here, we have this story elsewhere in our Bibles, but we are studying through the book of Mark here. Mark's account seems to focus on the dazzling, bright white appearance of Jesus' clothes. And you, you see that last phrase or that last line that we just read? Mark makes sure we know that not even grandma with a bottle of Clorox bleach could make clothes that white. So, he, so he's so, and then we we see elsewhere in the Bible, uh, Luke adds this detail that the appearance of Jesus' face was altered. Matthew adds the detail: his face shone like the sun. And so we have this face, body, clothes, everything. This total transformation, this incredible sight of Jesus before them. And as you know, our our series that we're uh, teaching through right now as we study the book of Mark, we've been calling this series The God-Man. And I know it's really easy to explain, right? We've called this series The God-Man because we are learning that Jesus is both fully, fully God and fully man. We are learning that Jesus is God himself come to dwell within us. Uh, in, the, in the form of, a, in, as a human. And so it's this crazy thing that our brains don't understand, but Jesus is 
the God-man. And as we've studied through the Bible then in recent weeks, we've seen glimpses of Jesus' humanity, the, the indications as we've studied God's word that he is indeed uh, an actual flesh and blood human being like you and I. We've seen things like Jesus getting hungry. We've seen him needing an occasional nap. Remember, be like Jesus, take naps. Remember that? Yep, outstanding. Uh, we've seen him express emotion. So we've seen that Jesus is uh, man. And then in regard to the God part of Jesus, the God-man, we've also seen plenty in our recent weeks of studying God's word. We've seen um, miracles. We've seen him heal. We've seen him take little food and turn it into plenty of food. But this, what we just read this morning in chapter 9, the transfiguration, I think, is the most incredible display yet of Jesus' divinity, of his identity as God. The transfiguration, I think, is the most incredible display or proof of Jesus as God. The transfiguration is God the Father putting the glory of Jesus on display so that there will be no mistake. The transfiguration is is the revealing of Jesus' identity as the Son of God. And so in the transfiguration, we have this sight on the mountaintop in front of his three friends that is, that is beyond description. Jesus is glorified, exalted above all. Verse 4. Keep your finger right there in Mark chapter 9 uh, throughout our time together. Now we're at verse 4. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. So along with Jesus... Verse 4 tells us that there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. These are, these are legendary, biblical, prominent people. Moses, one of the most significant leaders of God's people from, that we learn about his life in the Old Testament part of your Bible. Elijah, one of the most prominent prophets. And so here are these two appearing with Jesus in front of Jesus' friends. And what are they talking about? Luke gives us the detail of what they're talking about. This incredible conversation, Jesus, Elijah, Moses, and Luke tells us that they are speaking about Jesus' departure, his exit from earth that will soon be happening in Jerusalem. These three are standing on the mountaintop, Jesus transfigured in all his glory, and they're talking about his coming death, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of God. Would you have liked to listen into that conversation? We have this, so so here we have, in in this passage, this indescribably glorious, supernatural transfiguration of Jesus showing his glory, that he is deserving of all glory. And then you have this conversation about, oh, oh, just the most pivotal event in human history that involves suffering. And so in this few verses, in the transfiguration of Jesus, we get reminded that glory and suffering are both critical, central 
to who Jesus is. Verse 5. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And the Bible tells us, verse 6, because Peter did not know what to say. Why? For they were terrified. No doubt. I think we can cut Peter some bra- a break there, can't we? On the mountaintop, Jesus just started glowing. People from history just appeared talking to him. They're terrified. And so what does he do in his terrified state? He starts talking. So this is, I mean, we've even talked about this before, I think. I haven't been here very long, and I think we've already talked about this. This is one of my favorite things I get a chuckle out of, is what's going on with Peter? What's his reason for offering to build some shelters, to put up tents? The Bible tells us he didn't know what to say. Luke, Luke even says it a little differently. Luke says he did not know what he was saying. Can we blame him? Peter is trying to take in. He's trying to absorb. He's trying to to process what he's experiencing. He is trying to, to take in this experience. And apparently, it doesn't occur to him that one perfectly good option, one perfectly good response might have been no response at all. Just to take it in, right? Instead, he blurts out something Uh, that doesn't seem to fit the moment. Anybody relate? Anyone else ever suffer like me from insert foot in mouth disease? It seems like, it seems like Peter just did, and the Bible even says he didn't know what to say. But wait, maybe Peter isn't as far off as it appears. Perhaps what he's saying does make some sense. After all, God's people were expecting, were looking forward to, hoping for the day when God would once again camp out with his people. God's people were looking forward to, uh, again, a time when God would tabernacle with them. Why why do I say it that way? Because in the Old Testament, in Exodus, there's a couple verses on the screen for you. God tells them, Make me a sanctuary, make me a tabernacle, that I may dwell in your midst so that I can be with you. And then this other verse on the screen says that God's saying, I will dwell among my people of Israel and I will be their God. And so the instructions are given to the people, these detailed instructions of how to build the tabernacle, and they do. And God's, God's presence with them is represented in his presence in the tabernacle. So, maybe Peter is just hoping to prolong God's stay. You know, maybe, God, maybe Peter is seeing this incredible transformation, this, this God revealing Jesus' glory, and he's going, man, I want to make this last longer. Maybe this is simply Peter's awkward way of marking this momentous occasion. He's, he's so caught up in this wildly incomprehensive, incomprehensible experience. And so maybe he's just hoping to help make Jesus and his friends stay a bit longer and camp out with his people. 
Now, um, I wanted to try to relate to this a little bit. So I was thinking, you know, if it were us, though, if it were you and I on the mountaintop with Jesus doing this incredible thing, I'm sure we would have kept our wits about us, right? I'm sure we would have responded completely appropriately. We would have completely understood what Jesus was trying to say to us. We wouldn't have uh, said or done something so clumsy, I'm sure. Or would we? What, what, do, what do we do in our day and age? In our day and age, what do we do if we were to come across three biblical celebrities? You know, if we, uh, how might we want to preserve that experience? How might we want to prolong the, this incredible thing that we we're experiencing? Maybe if we were on that mountain, we'd have pulled out our phones in hoping of capturing an Instagram moment. Because I'm sure if I was there, I would have gotten something like this. <laughs> Hashtag transfiguration. Hashtag shining face. Hashtag chilling with these three. But the Bible says that Peter didn't know what he was saying. And had Derek been there, he didn't know he was, what he was doing. So while Peter's heart might have been in the right place, uh, his reaction isn't quite appropriate. He's seeing, as we've talked about in recent weeks, right? He's beginning to see Jesus, but he's not really seeing clearly. And, and clarification is about to happen. Peter's about to get some clarification for his sight and for his reaction. Verse 7. And a cloud overshadowed them. So now we're still on the top of this mountain, right? Jesus is transfigured. Elijah and Moses are standing there. Peter's trying to take it all in. His, James and John are trying to see this. Verse 7 says, and a cloud overshadowed them. When else in Scripture have we seen a cloud descend? We'll see on the screen, we've seen a cloud elsewhere in Scripture when the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Again, God's presence with his people, tabernacling, camping out among them. And so in verse 7, here on the top of this mountain of the transfiguration, verse 7 tells us that a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son. <laughs> Can you imagine the voice coming from heaven? I'm sure I didn't do it justice, so let's, let's see if you guys can do any better. Let's all use our best God-like voice and read the screen. Ready? One, two, three. This is my beloved son. God speaking tells us that Jesus is the son of God, the God-man, the rescuer. God wants us to make no mistake of Jesus' identity. Uh, I think it's interesting to take note of this, too. As I studied this week, some, uh, people smarter than me pointed out that it seemed like when Peter said, hey, let me build some shelters, it seemed like Peter almost wanted to treat Moses, Elijah, and Jesus as equals. But the voice we just heard, the voice in contrast singles out the sun. So let me hear you sing, sing, uh, single out the sun again. Ready? 
This is my beloved Son. God speaking so that we might know who Jesus is. Um, leave a little bookmark there in Mark, or keep your finger in Mark, and then turn, in the right, turn to the right in your Bible, if you would. I want you to go to a book called Second Peter. It's toward the back of the Bible there. Uh, you got Revelation at the very back. You got Jude. Uh, you got one, two, three, John before the Peters. So you got, find Second Peter. One, two, Peter, one, two, three, John. That's the order. Find Second Peter. We'll go back to Mark in just a minute. We'll be in Second Peter chapter 1 in just a moment. And I want to point this out. This Peter, who we sometimes chuckle about because we relate to him, this Peter then later is used to write Bible. And so it's great to get a glimpse of this. This is Peter then later writing Bible. And really, we're studying Mark. Mark is writing down the words in the book of Mark, but really he's gotten lots of it from Peter. And so now here's a book in the Bible that Peter has written. And he is describing the transfiguration. And, and it's so great to hear him reflect back on the transfiguration, to reflect back on this incredible experience that we read about in Mark. And then let's see what Peter writes down, testifying to God's glory that is revealed to us in Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, I'm starting at verse 16. Second Peter 1, verse 16. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you. In other words, we weren't making this stuff up. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received, for when Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, what did that voice say, everyone? This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What a cool glimpse of, of Peter's growth and understanding and God making things more clear to him. And here he is clearly proclaiming Jesus' glory. Remember Peter's uh, desire. Um, remember, we talked a few minutes ago about Peter's desire to maybe prolong the camp out. Now here he is absorbing this incredible experience and he's, and he's not sure how to react. He's not sure what to say. And, and you know, Maybe he was just wanting it to last a little longer. Well, he didn't need to take an ussy. I, I call it ussy because I refuse to take selfies. But I will use my built-in selfie stick to take an ussy, that being multiple people in the picture, right? Okay. So, but Jesus, Peter does not need to take an ussy to preserve the moment. He didn't need to build shelters in order to prolong God's presence. Why? Because God was providing his own tabernacle. God was coming to be present with his people. God had come to be present with his people. God did desire to camp out with us humans. And theologians call this the incarnation. God taking on flesh. And we see this in John chapter 1, verse 14. It's on the screen. The word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have, because of that, we have seen his glory. 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The wording there is is that God tabernacled among us. The one and only God, our loving Heavenly Father, loves us so much, friends. Faith Evangelical Free Church. God, our loving Father, loves us, loves you so much that he sent his Son. And that whoever believes in Jesus receives life. Life now and life eternal. Verse 8. You can go ahead and fold, flip back over to Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 8. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. So just like that, the experience is over. And as they're coming down the mountain... Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man, that's him, until he had risen from the dead. So they kept this matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Uh, Pastor Aaron and I had some fun talking about this passage. You can tell that we had some fun talking about this passage because Pastor Aaron helped me with that cool ussy that I took of me at the Transfiguration. Um. You know, because I was there. <laughs> Pastor Aaron and I were having some fun talking about this. And, uh, and, you know, here Peter just had this incredible opportunity. Had I been there, I would have taken the, the most inc- this, this incredible ussy. And then I would, have been about to, I would have been about to post the most incredible, epic Instagram post in the history of, of humankind. And right before I go to post the Instagram, we're walking back down the mountain, and Pastor Aaron points out, it's almost like Jesus says, well, you've got to delete that picture. What? <laughs> I just had this, I just got this amazing ussy. I just saw the glory of Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, delete that and keep your mouth shut. It'd be a little bit of a bummer. But... But at this point in his ministry, Jesus won't allow political popularity. He won't allow the desires of the crowd to make him king and and do their version of what a rescuer should do. So that's important enough to Jesus to stick to God's plan. Remember last week we talked about Jesus setting aside his own will and and following God's will. So it's too important to Jesus, so he is not going to allow those kind of things to distract him from his mission to suffer and die for us. All right. I want to look a little bit closer at, at something we read a few verses ago. Has anyone ever had someone tell you? Has anyone ever had someone say to you, listen and learn? Anyone ever heard that expression come from somebody? Listen and learn. Who might have said that one? Where did you hear it from? Parents? Teachers? Yeah. Listen and learn. I think we've got kind of that moment here. In our passage, we have a a kind of a moment with God the Father. Remember, look at verse 7 again. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Not only does the voice single out Jesus, he gives clear instructions. 
for what we're to do about our recognition of Jesus. As we recognize Jesus, God speaking himself audibly from the, the heavens, his, Jesus' friends there with him, hearing these words, this is my son, listen to him. They see, but they don't see clearly. Just the fact that God says those words, I think, shows us that his disciples still have much to learn. And you know what? So do I. So do all of us. We have much to learn. And so this morning, I think God is urging us to avoid the intentional busyness that we allow to clutter our lives. We're going to take a few minutes together this morning. I think God is urging us to avoid that intentional busyness that we want to build three shelters. We got to come up with something to do here. I got to take a picture. I got to build, I got to put up some shelters for you, Jesus. But maybe we need to avoid that intentional busyness, put down our phones, and listen to Jesus. So let's talk a little this morning. How do we listen to Jesus in our lives? And if you've been around church for a while, you're not going to find my answer real profound or real complicated. There's lots of ways I could encourage you to, to learn to hear the voice of God in your life. And and there's some great resources you could read on spiritual disciplines. These are just practices that help us walk closely with Jesus. But let's just start with a couple of the easiest, the most simple, the most straightforward ones this morning together. How do we listen for the voice of God in our life? God speaks to us through his word and as we connect with him in prayer. So I'm going to do something different right now that's not usually part of a sermon where most of our mess, my time of teaching is a little bit one way. I'm getting to share with you what I'm excited about, what God's teaching me, and you're listening. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different. This might be a new experience for some of you. And, uh, but I just want to, instead of in, just encouraging you to listen, instead of me just saying the words, hey, listen to God, I want us to practice right now. So we're going to stop. We're going to quiet ourselves. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to prayerfully listen to God's voice in your life through his word. So um, this is something that you could do on your own as well. We'll do it together here in the next few minutes. And this is something I'd encourage you that if you are looking for a way to connect with God, I I hope you would find opportunities almost daily in your lives, if possible, to to be in prayer, to read his word. But here's something that if you haven't had a chance to do this, maybe you'll be able to do this at home too, is just kind of pray through Scripture. We read God's word, we slow down, and we listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, in a minute here, I'm going to read some of God's word to you, and then I'm going to pause, and then I'm going to read some more of God's word, and then I'm going to pause. And in those pauses, when I leave silence, let me just invite you, pray, Talk with God. Praying is not complicated, by the way. It's not just for those of us that get paid to do this. Praying is talking with the Father in heaven. He hears you. He knows you. He understands you. It doesn't require any fancy words. Okay? So as I leave pauses, feel free to pray and talk with God. But also, let me encourage you. Some of us need more practice at the listening. You don't have to be talking when you're in prayer. You don't always have to be saying something. So as I read God's word, 
feel free to respond in prayer, silently in your chair. Talk to God about what we just read or what I just read from the scripture. But also, feel free in those pauses to just listen, to let God's word kind of soak over you, for you to just kind of reflect on what I just read, to think about it, and allow some silence that might allow God to impact you, to teach you, to share with you, to encourage you, to spur you along in walking with him. Sound okay? No one's freaked out? It's not your typical part of the message, but we're going to take a few minutes now, and I'm going to uh, read from God's word. Let me invite you to just relax, um, find, find a way to sit comfortably, invite you to even close your eyes as if we're spending time in prayer, which by the way, also, did you know you can pray with your eyes open? That's pretty cool too. I remember when I learned that, I was really happy I learned that because, you know, we get growing, sometimes if you grow up in church, you think, man, this is the only possible position for prayer. But then that means I can't pray while driving, I can't pray while walking down the street, I can't pray while I'm working, right? But we can, because you don't have to close your eyes. But anyway, you might want to close your eyes now, because we got like a bunch of people around and all that. I want you to be distracted. Close your eyes, relax. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to leave space for you to pray and to listen. And then we're going to conclude our time together this morning with some worship through music. This is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Praise the Lord who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Praise the Lord who works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Praise the Lord who is compassionate 
and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Praise the Lord. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Praise the Lord. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. All right, and now let me invite you to stand with me as I read a few more verses from this psalm. Let me invite you to stand. I'd like to read just a few more verses from the same psalm. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. 